Hi, this is Bob, and today I have an interview with Ethan Foray. Ethan Foray is from Austria. This melodic pagan death metal band has released Oathbreaker, their sixth full-length release. This one is sure to please. With songs like Rainment, you'll be coming back for more. And here is my interview with Ethan Foray. Hello? Hi, Robert. Um, can you hear me? I can. Awesome. Yeah. So the external microphone works. Awesome. Um, first of all, uh, sorry for any background noise, maybe, but there is like a incredible biblical rain going on uh, outside currently, right? Completely spontaneous cloud combustion. <laughs> so <laughs> I hope it's not uh, uh, too loud in the background, but um, I think we can manage yeah, I know we're expecting some real bad storms here in the next couple of days. Oh, well, where are you? Where are you from? A... You're from the U.S., right? Yes. So where yes, are you from? Ohio. Ohio, all right. So, yeah, pretty well known for the storms there. Absolutely. I wanted to thank you for taking time to speak with me today. Well, thank you to you for inviting me, right? So um, I think we are both welcome. <laughs> How was the uh, recording process for Oathbreaker? How long did it take to put the material together? How long did it take? Well, um, um, surprisingly, this was, I think, one of the quickest albums that we've ever done in terms of, uh, of recording length. So we started writing in September 21, which was just like at the very end of the pandemic. So we all had already some bits and pieces of songs uh, available, right? So we all had a lot of time. Obviously, you've probably heard this story, you know, a hundred times already. So, um, you know, a lot of time sitting around, not playing live shows over here in Europe, right? Uh, you know how this sure. goes. Uh, so we had a couple of riffs, but no real songs. So we started sitting together and, and putting stuff together in, as I said, like late September 21 and started recording already uh, just after Christmas 21. So through like the end of 21 till like mid-February 22 or something. So we, we, we finished all of that in probably three months, the writing, what, what we had. And then we, we finished recording in two months. And then, you know, there was the mist, mixing and the mastering going on. The whole album was done by the end of May 22. So it almost took a year until it came out now on the 7th of April, right? This year, 23. So... We were quick, but uh, you know the powers that be that uh, decide when an album has to be released, right? Uh, sure. they, they took the time. Uh, of course, they didn't say that, you know, at the beginning of the um, uh, uh, album process. They said, you know, this has to be done, you know, uh, rather quickly. And, you know, then it, then it was. But then we had time to do videos, right? So that's always a, a good thing as well. Absolutely. And I wanted to ask if you could speak on my favorite track, uh, Raymond. All right, that's your favorite track. Cool. It's, yeah. it's also one of my favorite tracks. So um, that one is, I think it's kind of also the odd one out when it comes to songwriting from all the others, right? So we we usually mm -hmm. um, try to go very. You know, we, we are. We, it, it it always depends on who calls us what. Some call us neo pagan. Some call us just pagan. Some say melodic death metal, whatever, right? But all. The melodies that we are writing or everything that is that is coming along is of course very 
very Western musically influenced, right? So we were here from Austria, right? In, in Europe, so mm. everything uh, has has that influence. So I definitely saw that song was written by me. So thank you for liking it, first of all. So so I definitely wanted to try something a little bit more more Eastern or a little bit more uh, more out of our comfort zone here, right? But it still mm. has that that Heathen Foray feel in it, right? There's this epicness in the intro, especially, and all of that. And, you know, when, when Robert, our, our vocalist, uh, heard the song and started to think about, you know, what he wanted to write the lyrics about, and we were sitting together, and he said, you know, it kind of it, it reminds me a little bit of, of India, maybe China. And so we've, we've, uh, it's what he said, right? So he thought, you know, the, the, the thoughts that come up or something, uh, something that I could write about, but we never did, would be, you know, child labor or, or that, that uh, how's it called in English, fast fashion. You know, you're just buying mm-hmm. something, some clothes for a couple of bucks, right? And then you're wearing it once or twice and then you just throw them away, right? So, um, and if, uh, this is, this is uh, really bugging him, right? And all, all of us, of course, because you probably already know, right? If you've uh, uh, looked up things about the band, that we have a, quite a strong environmental message in our songs right about um about that so let's let's uh take that topic on right and so we 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 wrote that story about the girl working in a in a sweatshop right we don't specify where but you know how how life uh how that life goes and how uh there's not much hope and all for just you know um us here in the western world having some nice sparkly clothes or things that we you know throw away or don't even appreciate right in that sense so um that all came that you know came out as a song that we usually you know that 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 is unique in so many ways that we usually don't see on an hour of us but that's that's why we're so proud of it right and i think you know then there's this fresh part at the end right <laughs> where we, where we kind of i think we kind of felt we need to kind of bring in some of the uh, of the more classic uh, heavy metal elements, so we where we can you know pull everything back into our our comfort zone a little. But I think you know it worked out very well. It has this very weird uh, funk beat on the drums, right? That we usually also don't do. So I'm already already looking forward uh, a lot to to play that live because as it turns out, it's not only uh, your favorite song and mine. It's uh, it seems to be uh, the favorite of a lot of people, and I'm just going by the by the numbers that we can see right now um, concerning streaming services and so on, right? Um, so it seems to be very popular indeed. Yeah, I think it it gives a flavor to the album that uh, is is very conducive with the tracks in between, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely, right? I think it's it's just. Um, if you wouldn't have done it, or if you would have done another song that's that's uh, you know more goes into you know uh, the direction of, of Western music, right? I think it would um, there, there would just be a little less on that album, right? It would just it would be missing, right? It's just like like mm-hmm. so a nice little nice little gem that you put in there, right, with the other songs. What track was the hardest for you guys to lay down? Um, the last one, uh, Covenant of Swords. And the problem is not because it's such a complicated song. I mean, it took me forever to, to, to record an intro melody, but it's usually the case. I usually, sh- uh, I usually write, sorry, it was 
was shortly switching into German here. So <laughs> I, my brain sometimes switches languages. Uh, no, um, what I what I wanted to say is, uh, but it's always the case because I usually write things that um, you know seem easy to record at the beginning because I don't have to at the moment when I write them. Right? It's it's totally right. fine. Just check it down, and then I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, oh man, why I'm so stupid and writing such complicated things, right? Uh, but in, so I got that down. That that's not the problem. But we wanted actually wanted to have on that track um, a choir for for backing vocals there, mm -hmm. and we have to, had that set up. You know, uh, pandemic almost over here, so everything you know uh, looked very well. And we were like in middle of February, like one of the last things we wanted to record here. Uh, we had the date set with the choir, and uh, yeah, and then you know, um, COVID hit them again or something right so then then uh, the last little spike uh, of covid here in europe uh, came around and then we uh, couldn't do that so uh, we tried to our best to do it ourselves i'm not 100 happy with that right so we turned it down very uh, very low in terms of if you can, <laughs> you can hear it right but it was um but sometimes you know you just have to say um you know um uh, sometimes the song is done right if, if 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 you don't do that you're sitting around with some details that probably and i'm pretty sure you know except me probably nobody really uh would notice big of a difference here right because if you spend so much time with the songs i'm also recording the songs here right in my studio and um, um working together you know with our mixing engineer and and all of that stuff right to to get it done so i'm hearing that uh, those songs you know like hundreds and hundreds of times before even anybody else is able to to hear the first single of the album right so i'm always super sensitive about those those very minor things that probably only i notice and nobody else right um but i would say that was definitely the song that that you know then took the longest because we waited around so long and then at the end we basically just had to make a decision shortly before we have to had to hand everything up to mixing uh that we have to record it ourselves right so that's probably the one where we had the most stress, not because of us, but because of, you know, external influences. Sure. And I think, you know, if I could uh, have a dime for every time an artist had sold me, you know, <laughs> well, this track, uh, upon reflection, I probably would change this or that or this or that. And, you know, as a listener, <clears throat> sometimes I go in the back of my mind, well, I'm glad you didn't because I think sometimes, uh, you know, as an artist, you can overdo. Yes, exactly. Know? And uh, some artists tend to look back at their, you know, previous work and go, well, I could have done this, I should have done this. And some of the tracks they're speaking of, I'm like, well, I'm glad you didn't touch them. <laughs> you know, yeah, because they always gives it, you know, with with the, the extra character, I think, right? Exactly what sure. you mean. If you spend too much time, you're polishing it too much especially when we talk about heavy metal right so it's um there needs to be a little bit of an edge a little bit of character a little bit of unevenness in there i guess sure you know um i don't know if you're a Jesus priest fan but the last album was i think the mix and mastering was phenomenal but it's almost to the point where it was so clean it took a lot of the edge off of it yeah, I totally know what you mean, right? I also listen listen to it, but um, you know, in terms of Judas Priest, I always return to Painkiller, of course. Uh, that's kind of my uh, my favorite one. I don't, I know it's not one of the ones from the eighties, right? But <laughs> mm -hmm. 
it's like it was just a time you know when i started to get a lot into metal back then right and so that's that's always my Judas priest album but i, I totally know what you mean about a lot of the newer releases uh sometimes songwriting or all of that you know if you have basically not want to downplay Judas priest here but you basically have all the time all the budget in the world right to to create and write uh, and record a heavy metal record right this is sometimes what happens right that's sure mm. and i also wanted to ask you about the album artwork and the artist that was involved sure uh so uh the artwork was drawn by uh hans trusset so he's he um he's from uh, slovakia and uh some people might know him from his website this art design um and you know he's he's been doing a lot of other uh metal records as well and i was always wanted to work with him right already on the last album so on the fifth that we did uh that came out uh 2020 uh but unfortunately he wasn't available uh there so um i tried you know to get him in early for the next um uh, for the next album and we had this this artwork uh kind of chosen already uh quite early right giving him some some hints and you know, he was telling us like, hey, uh, what you're talking about, I kind of have a sketch lying around here, right, of something I was thinking about that I want to do. And he sent me that sketch. And <clears throat> it's basically, you know, the, the base of what you see now on the final artwork and said, you know what, that's, that's, uh, that looks exactly like what we were just discussing, right? So let's, uh, let's finish that sketch, right? Let, let us uh, show us what, what you can do with it. And he came up with this incredibly cool color scheme, right, with this, mm -hmm. this purple in there and all of that because he looked at the other cover artworks that we did and he wanted to go in a direction concerning color that we haven't done before right we have the classical gold and the the red cover and the you know, the green one and so on so this time you know more in the direction of of purple and uh yeah we got this this huge um i don't know how i can uh, uh, how i can say it so what's the age rating on the podcast is there you know, any uh, cursing that can go on? Any any bad words that we can use? Oh, you can use all of them. All right. So we basically put two giant wooden penises on the cover, right? That's probably what you're getting at. So left and right. <laughs> now, of course, they're just like two huge trees that have been sharpened to look like that. And so the story behind all of that, and in the middle of them, there's for everybody who hasn't seen the artwork, there is a, is a group of women standing around, shaman women that are celebrating a fertility fest right so basically that's the idea behind it so it's a fertility dance it's about um recreation rebirth and all those things and he went with some yeah older slavic uh rites here or even celtic rites um about that right and so there is so the the, the trees you know that were um uh look a little bit like a phallus right so like a penis mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, I was very worried at the beginning, um, obviously, you know, uh, standing for uh, standing, no, uh, standing for uh, mm -hmm. fertility here, right, as, as well. Mm -hmm. And for us, you know, the message was that we kind of come out of this coma of the pandemic, right? So we released the, 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 the album before that came out February 2020, two weeks before everything was shut down here in Europe, right? So mm -hmm. we never got the chance to really play that album live, right? So there were maybe two shows until everything was over, right? And then uh, that was it. So we always had the feeling that, it, that you know, that music couldn't blossom, couldn't, um, 
well, they, they almost they didn't didn't see the light of day, right? Obviously, people are sure. streaming on Spotify and so, right? But uh, live. So we wanted to do something that has this message of you know rebirth. That's why why uh, why that's on the cover. And I was always worried about this. The point I wanted to make earlier is. Uh, you know, what if, if like sensors at Spotify, you know, you upload that artwork ahead of time before the release or even the label itself, you know, um, mm. realize that these, these trees or X trees are looking um, very similar to penises, right? So right. what are they, um, they going to do? Are they going to throw that back to us, right? And say, no, that, that's not allowed, right? On Spotify or on, on Apple Music. But surprisingly... Not even a single person has realized that in any of the reviews. Either they are not writing it, right, <laughs> or, or not realizing it. So I think I was just uh, overreacting here. So everybody loves the artwork, and I just, you know, love the additional fact, a part of that I really, really like the story behind it, right, and, and the message that we wanted to do with, you know, the rebirth of our music and going a little bit more into the, uh, the Celtic or traditional uh, European uh, music styles again, you know, accepting more and more of our pagan heritage here when it comes to music uh so additionally i just like that we you know uh, uh, snuck two penises uh past the sensors here and there right so that's just the, a nice little extra <laughs> i also wanted to ask you uh will you guys tour well, good question. I wish uh, I would know that. No, uh, <laughs> no. So uh, for us, you know, we are a um, uh, we are a band based here in the in the south of Austria. So we're almost in in Slovenia, where we are from. We're in the city of, uh, of Graz in Austria, which is the second mm. largest city. Um, usually, you know, most of the uh, festivals, you know, that are interesting enough or that are possible for us to reach. Uh, are in Germany, so definitely Germany, Austria, Switzerland, Czech Republic, you know, Slovenia, north of Italy. Uh, we've been to the Netherlands, right? So there is um, a lot of that middle European countries' festivals are usually, you know, where where you would find us. We have toured all of Europe, though, right, in the past, but uh, uh, we are still, you know, in works for that. With that album, we kind of... You know, still feeling, and, and, and I hate that I'm always coming back to that COVID, COVID topic, but it's still so prevalent, right? Because the, sure. the life scene here in Europe is, is, is just, you know, recovering right now. So it's where like a year, year and a half now of just, you know, re, uh, basically, you know, finishing up festival billings that were set two years before that, right? Because they move the festival so often. Uh, and uh, so, so they just finished that, right? So getting into a new lineup, into a new building, right, is almost, uh, it's very complicated because obviously all the bands are thinking the same right now and everybody, you know, is, uh, is running toward that now. Uh, so what we do so far, what we've planned so far, are a lot of uh, a singing show. So we will be uh, at a festival here in uh, Vienna together with Primordial and Heidefolk uh, doing um, uh, being the, the release show of the album basically in May. Uh, we're then going to headline a festival in Slovenia uh, in, in June. Uh, we are planning a bigger tour in October, November of this year. You know, a couple of club shows in Austria and around here. Uh, we are working with a new booking agency now. So this was also a thing. Obviously, they don't have a good time during the pandemic, right? So they are just starting sure. to... Um, uh, to to start up again and do things, so we will see. So we have, so we are confident that you know, at least 2024 we'll see a lot of bigger uh, festival appearances and a bigger tour. And for this year, you know, we are um, already working on it. So there definitely will be like 10 or 12 shows 
during the rest of the year. And we hope, of course, that there will be more. But so far, in um, terms of that was your question, it's probably only going to be in Europe so far. We have yet to get an offer for overseas at the US or somewhere far out of Europe that would be feasible in terms of uh, cost and time commitment, right? So uh, nobody going to fly you over the Atlantic for free, right? So that's always, sure. the, always the thing here for a mid-sized to smaller-sized band like we are. So, And speaking of um, touring, mm -hmm. if you could pick a tour partner to go on the road with, what would be your first choice? <laughs> has, it, has it been to my, my personal choice or the choice that makes the most sense for the band? <laughs> your personal choice. My personal choice would be Blind Guardian, hands down. So that's my, uh, definitely my favorite band. I love all of the people in that band and just, you know, hanging out with Hansi Kirsch and Andre Ulrich and all the others for, you know, in, in a tour bus for four months or so would be an absolute dream come true. I just think that after one month, they would be so fed up with all my questions and all my uh, fanboyness, fan right? That they, uh, that they probably will never want to play live with us again. Uh, but that will be it. But I think it's, you know, band-wise, at least from the vocals, because we have obviously, you know, a majority of growling vocals, uh, might not be the best fit here. So we have been on tour with, with uh, Enciferum before, with Copricani. Uh, with mm -hmm. Moon Sorrow, and these are all great guys that we uh, that we fit to very well. We we like all of them, right? So probably, I think probably in Seafarm will be the the uh, the the smart choice for the band, right? If you could pick anyone, um, or Amon Math, maybe maybe Amon Math. I think let's let's go with Amon Math. I think the shows will be way bigger. <laughs> 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 but, it, but you know that's that's kind of where we where where we are, right? Uh, when it comes sure. to that. Mm. And I wanted to ask you about your musical history. At what age did you begin your journey in music? Um, so uh, where did I uh, begin my musical journey? So my, a lot of what, I, uh, what I'm telling you now is just you know, what my mom or my dad told me because I was too young to remember most of that. But it seems that when I was a very young child, like two, three to four years old, I had a very big interest in uh, Austrian folk music, so like like marching bands and so mm -hmm. on, right? So uh, every time we could uh, catch one of those, you know, walking down the main street, you know, in, in the town, right? We would, we would watch that. And there were, of course, because we're in Austria, right? Or in Germany, there are, of course, TV shows that are showing that, uh, if anyone here listens, that is from that area. Musikantenstadl is the... Uh, is the one I'm talking about. I seem to have been a very big fan of that, which might come as a surprise as nothing that I'm doing now is, you know, at all um, close to that, right? No, no trumpets, no yodeling, uh, nothing like that. And uh, from that, they developed a big interest in that. And when I was like um, elementary school age, around seven or eight years, uh, my parents thought, you know, maybe he's old enough now that he could learn an instrument for real, right? Because I was only, basically only, only air tr trumpeting, right? Uh, uh, all the time, right? So that was like, like playing an air guitar, but it didn't really have an air, uh, a real, real instrument. So um, we were living in an apartment complex back then. So drums were out of the question <laughs> or okay. anything that would have been, been too loud. And I don't know why, uh, but the choice uh, I made, and they always tell me that I made the choice and I don't know why, uh, but I started to learn electric piano. 
Bach, which really is not a part of the classical Austrian folk band, right? So um, whatever, right? So I was learning uh, piano basically for four years, um, I think from the age of eight till I was 12 years old. And I didn't enjoy it a lot. So uh, teacher wasn't that great. This is something that I realize now that I'm older, right? But uh, mm -hmm. not a lot of passion for that. And what I'm usually was was playing, you know, were like stuff, Mozart stuff or, you know, some waltz, uh, some old school Aust Austrian something, right? Which, you know, if you're between 8 and 12 years old, it's not necessarily that hip and at that time i was starting to get in, into rock metal punk music you know and, and and the first heavy metal bands and uh that was cool music right and the, what i was i was playing it always felt like school right it's always felt like uh like going to a math class or something right so oh, i have to do that again right. and then you know four years later my parents uh, uh you know realized that it's just you know uh, that is just torture at that point in time for me, right? So uh, we, I, I was allowed to quit then uh, four years later. And then I actually, you know, didn't really want to play an instrument until around when I was 16 years old, I think. So four years later, my mom gifted my dad an acoustic guitar for Christmas, which is something that he always wanted to have, but his parents were never able to afford, right? So um, this was like his surprise Christmas thing. And it got a book with it uh, that had like, you know, um, some some popular songs in there, like uh, Smoke on the Water of Deep Purple, right? So easier songs. Of course, a lot of camping, campfire songs and so on. And he kind of dabbled with it for a couple of days, but, you know, didn't really uh, impress him so much. And then at one point I picked it up look through that book and realize that, hey, this is way more fun, right? It's, the songs I'm playing are songs, uh, uh, bits and pieces of songs that I'm playing here are songs that I would be listening to myself, right? That's totally different than playing Mozart or something, right? Sure, absolutely. I'm not like to listen to Mozart, right? So with age, I have started to realize that I was learning a lot of uh, great songs back then on the piano, right? But as a child, obviously, you don't, um, you don't appreciate that as much. And I had a friend at school who I knew also played acoustic guitar. And I was asking him, you know, do you have any more of these books, right, uh, that, that my dad got here? Maybe something with a little cooler songs. And he gave me the Master of Puppets tap uh, book. Oh, wow. It was the official Metallica, um, you know, he, he gave that out. He taught me how to learn, how to read taps, right? So um, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's kind of similar, mm. like, uh, like um, an annotation that you see, you know, for, for pianos and so, but it's, it's just telling you, you know, where you put your fingers. And uh, if you know the song, you can, you know, play along quite easily. So I'm, I've tried my best, you know, to work through that. And I, I got a summer job at the factory when uh, I was uh, 16 in that summer, you know, after school uh, to be able to, you know, afford my first uh, electric guitar. Uh, for that, right? Because I knew, I mean, it's, it's, it's cool to play it on the acoustic guitar, but obviously I was already sold on the idea that that is, you know, a super important thing. That friend bought an electric guitar that same summer and, you know, abracadabra in autumn, we had our first band. <laughs> <laughs> As it usually is, you know, just playing some cover songs in the basement somewhere, uh, uh, recruited all our other friends, you know, to also learn instruments, which of course, you know, turned out quite bad because none of those, those were really, you know, that motivated. They mostly saw it as an opportunity to, 
not just hang out, drink a, drink a couple of beers, and then, uh, which is totally fine if you're 16 here in Austria, right? Before anybody, um, sure, uh, <laughs> uh, gets offended here. Uh, so, um, yeah, and with that, you know, like when I finished what you would call high school, right? I, I you know, I was spending hours a day. This, this was my whole free time, right? So, um, um, came home from school, planted the guitar played that, you know, until I could, you know, work with that Master of Puppets type book, learn. Also, this was the time. So just to give you a perspective when that was, we are talking 2001, 2002. So just yeah. around, I was born in 85. Um, uh, so when I was 16, uh, 17 was 2001, 2002. And uh, the internet was, was becoming, you know, uh, more, uh, more present there and uh, at the point at time when I realized that you could just Google for tabs and just download them. Right? Yeah. Uh, that was like, uh, you know, when I, when I hit overdrive, right? So from, or, or hyper, hyper speed, right? From, from my development and I could find, you know, all the songs I liked. And obviously I could also find the MP3s on Napster and so on, right? Mm. Um, all, all of that stuff. And, you know, I was just, you know, um, at that point in time, you know, with those people I was hanging out and playing, I just realized I'm taking this way more serious uh, than everybody else uh, at, at that point in time. And it was, it was, was clear that I, around that time, started to write my own songs, right, which, you know, weren't that good at the beginning, but then as it developed. So once I finished high school, I had to join the army. There's also a thing that you have to do here in Austria, right, if you're a male. Um, and they were uh, quite nice, actually, to me, because they allowed me to bring the guitar. Wow. Uh, the, uh, so as, as, soon, as long as it wasn't in the way, I could keep it in the bass. Um, I, obviously, I couldn't bring it with me in the, in the woods or something, right? Or um, along in the mud, I wouldn't have done that, right? But I was allowed to keep it in the room, um, room there as long as it wasn't in the way. And, you know, I didn't bring an amplifier, obviously, right? So it was just the... This standard guitar. I was quite far away from home. Well, as, as far as way, as far away as you can be in Austria, basically, right? It's not, not you know, in, in US terms, it's not that far away, right? You're not talking like East Coast to West Coast, but still, <laughs> for an 18, 19 year old that doesn't have a car, right? Still, um, still quite far. And you had this very old, banged up laptop. And back in the day, so we are talking 2004, 2005, here they were still like three or four centimeters, uh, centimeters thick, right? Like two or three inches, mm -hmm. uh, the, the old ones, right? But I could run a tablature software on it, right? So I could uh, could write songs uh, after, you know, I was done with my with the army for the day and was just sitting around at the base waiting for the next day. And I was just sitting there alone usually, you know, just writing songs and writing it into the tap program. And this is most of what you hear on the first Heath of Array album because once I was done with the army, I was uh, going to university um, moved into a bigger city here, so in Graz, where I am right now. And here, obviously, the amount of people that wanted to do some serious band project, right, was, of course, way bigger. So I grew up in the countryside. There wasn't that much, not, not that many people there, right? Either your friends joined you in the band or you were on your own. Uh, sure. But here in the city, right, it was very good. And then through, you know, the first year of my university, I started to meet uh, most of the people that, that made up that first lineup of Heathen Foray, which didn't have a name back then. So we had like, I had like five or six songs ready. Then I, I met uh, Robert, who is now the vocalist. The others from the first lineup are not in the band. 
anymore. Unfortunately, Max, the bassist, is now came on really quickly during the recording of the first album. Uh, so uh, we started to play the first couple of, of shows. And since then, you know, it's been 17 years now or something. Wow. Well, <laughs> something along those lines right but it, but it definitely so i would it, the the pinnacle moment is for me was holding that that metallica master of puppets tap book and understanding how this works right how, how to read that stuff that just like opened everything up combined with the internet right that was just a great time to uh, to start learning an instrument no youtubers yet though so <laughs> yeah i think uh you know, as far as um, Metallica's catalog, that's always been my go-to album. Yeah, it always was the very first uh, metal T-shirt I ever had. Was a Master of Puppets uh, cover upright T-shirt with, I think, around that same age, right? When you're starting to to identify with the music, you know, just not only listening to that, but you're starting to become part of the subculture. Especially, you know, there is this process. I think going from 16 to 17 for me, where, you know, all my clothes uh, were black. <laughs> when I was 17, you know, I was only wearing the, uh, the T-shirts uh, t-shirts anymore and started to grow my hair, right, which I had to cut, obviously, for the army later on then. Uh, but still, uh, you know, it was the whole entry into that world. So a very magical couple of years there for me, for sure. And not to... Uh, um, as, as I said, you know, starting out with the piano... Uh, fortunately, you know, when, once I started and trying to play the guitar seriously, a lot of that that I had to learn back then came in handy, actually, right? So um, especially when you're in songwriting, I kind of understood how chords work and all of that stuff, right? Sure. So we, 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 what a lot of people don't, uh, don't get if they are completely self-taught, right? Which I always have been on the guitar, but I always say I had like an unfair advantage because I understood, you know, music theory still from... Um, from my piano days, right? And still today with writing songs, you know, the, the little uh, piano skills that I still have, I would never be able to play one live or anything, right? But I still can uh, dabble around right, and write things on it and, you know, just have that extra layer of songwriting there. So everything turned out well at the end, I guess. <laughs> and, and along your musical journey, what's the best advice that has been given to you along the way? Uh, the best advice? That's a good question. I think I, I remember uh, trying out for a, uh, for a couple of bands here in Graz before I you know, started you know, collecting the people for, for Heath and Foray, which were just like 80s, 90s metal cover bands and so on. Because I thought, you know, these, these guys are playing a lot of life and actually earning some money, right? So why not mm -hmm. do that next to university? And I tried out there, and uh, I know there were, you know, a couple of guys there for the, the tried out basically for the rhythm guitar there. And there was like this killer um, lead guitarist. I'm, I'm happy to say his name. His name is Heimo Hofer, which is a, you know, everybody here in Graz that plays guitars knows who he is. He is incredible. He's also a great guitar teacher, um, but, you know, he's, he's incredibly great. Um, and it was already back then. So we're talking again, 17 or 15 years ago. And, you know, mm. I tried out with a lot of uh, these, uh, these other guys. And then it came down to me and another one. And, you know, at this point in time, I'm 19 years old. I've been playing guitar seriously for maybe two years, two and a half years. 
And the other guy, you know, older than me, way more experienced. And, you know, he was um, asking us, uh, you know, how long have we played or how long have we done that? And the other guy says, you know, he's playing like for, for 10 years or so. And I was saying, you know, like two and a half years. And he was like, what? And I, yeah, I'm playing for two and a half years, right? I've basically just um, started out. This is still my first guitar that I'm, I'm using here, right? And he is, uh, all right, so um, it's going to be you because if you play like this two and a half years in, right, uh, then, then I'm super interested in what I will be seeing you know, in half a year or a year from now, right? You're going to be ahead of of everyone here. And that was like, for me, oh, cool, right? And so I was, um, it might not have been the best advice, but what he told me, basically, if I bring it down, is, you know, if you keep on practicing like you do, whatever you're doing, right? <laughs> keep sure. on doing that, because in a year from now, you, you're not going to be, um, you're going to be uh, excellent, right? And he's, you know, he wasn't wrong about that. Uh, I, I just started to plateau at one point, right? When you're only playing your own songs, obviously, right? But back then I was trying to learn as much as I could. And I also had the time, right? You're 19, you're at university, uh, you got a lot of time. And then, you know, as you get older, the time to, you know, play guitar all day kind of goes away. But I think that's that, you know, if you, if you keep on it, you know, if you're playing it, you practice. And that's the important part. It's not going to be done by just watching people on YouTube, right? Uh, you always sure. have put in the time it's nice it's great that we got all that knowledge now at our fingertips and then we can basically you know call up a youtube video of everybody playing that song and you can just follow along what their hands are doing right and you got thousands of reviews about any equipment that is coming out all the things that we didn't have back then but i'm think i'm pretty happy that i didn't have it because i would be so distracted by just you know thinking about all the gear and all the the other YouTubers that I will probably only be watching YouTube videos and not actually sitting down and practicing. And back then, this was what I did, right? I really just wanted to play. It's not what was not about, you know, consuming media about guitar, as it seems to be often the case today, right? But uh, yes. actually playing then, that's that. A lot of people are asking me, you know, how, how can you play that stuff? And what did you do, right? Um, you know, uh, what, what's your secret? My secret is always, you know, uh, uh, you just have to practice hard for 17 years and then you will also be able, right, to uh, uh, to play that. So it's not coming, well, maybe you don't have to do it for 17 years. I think most of the things we're playing now I could also have played 10 years ago maybe. But still, um, you know, it's always the, everybody's looking for that, for that shortcut. What's the secret? There's no secret. There's, there's a sitting down for as much time as you have and playing that stuff over and over and over until you can play it. There's no other... Um, there's not a secret. And if, you know, this is, was kind of the point in time where I realized when, when Heimo told me that at that rehearsal, and I became the guitarist of the band, uh, by the way. So I did that for a couple of months until it disbanded, unfortunately. Earned a couple of bucks with it, bought my next guitar. Uh, and uh, saying just, you know, that you're, you're obviously a guy who's sitting down and practicing a lot, and it's great, keep on doing it, right? Because a lot of people are not doing that. And I think that was the best advice that anybody gave me and it would be the advice that I would give anyone else as well. And uh, speaking of that, I wanted to ask you, um, beyond music, mm -hmm. do you have any hobbies that you enjoy? <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm, 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 I'm um, um, well, might not be obvious to everyone, but that's uh, music is not my career, right? So I'm, uh, uh, we all have day jobs on the side, uh, not on the side, but the band is still, you know, 
more or less a hobby that pays for itself. And sometimes, you know, um, you get to play some cool concerts, but I still, so in my, my real life, I'm an IT guy, IT consultant, right? Is my job description. Uh, so, I, so I enjoy uh, uh, programming things, you know, uh, doing all of those tech gizmo thingies, right? So I'm very, mm-hmm. very deep into that. But when it comes to hobbies, you know, I'm, uh, I'm a big uh, kayak guy, right? So I really like um, getting into small boats and shooting down dangerous rivers. <laughs> all, which, which, I, which I guess is also kind of a, a heavy metal thing to do, probably, right? Uh, one yeah, thing. Right. So I, I'm preparing today for, for a two day tour, which I will be doing this weekend, right? So I also like, you know, I always like the uh, two day stuff where I camp somewhere, right? And then continue on the river after that. So you would, I think the, 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 the best translation would be river walking or river hiking or something, right? So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, not necessarily picking the most dangerous rivers, but the ones that give me the, the, the best vista and the, the best experience along the way, right? And I also like uh, to camp on the way and, and enjoy the time. I also have a dog, which I enjoy, you know, taking walks with and hiking with. My wife loves uh, hiking, you know, and uh, so we combine that sometimes, you know, a day of kayaking and a day of hiking somewhere out there, which, you know, always gives me time to refill my musical batteries and also to... Uh, to collect a lot of inspiration there, right? So if you're on the lo- alone on the river somewhere, right? It's just you, the fishes, and some otters. Um, you know, you get a lot of time to think about things, and often, Absolutely. you know, a, a song pops into your head. Uh, then you know, you, then I'm in a stressful situation because obviously I don't want to forget the song, and obviously don't bring a guitar in my kayak or anything to record it with, right? So the only thing that I often can do is just sing the melody into my phone, <laughs> um, which is something that happens all the time to me. So I'm, in case you have a question there that says, you know, what's your songwriting process? Just a little, a little preview on that. So I do not have a system. I cannot sit down and say, now let's write a song. It never worked. I've tried that for a long time, right, to, to kind of, uh, institutionalize that when you know every day I'm sitting down for one hour and what you know I'm writing I will write down and if it's good it's good and if it's not good it's not good but I never made something that's really good right that I would say that that that's a no-brainer that this song is on the album right so uh, it only happens if I don't have time to record that song or if it's a situation where it's um, the least desirable situation to get a song idea right either just before I fall asleep if I'm under the shower, if I'm in the kayak, if I'm on a bus somewhere, right? It, it, it's it, what I realized for me is as soon as my brain gets time to be bored, the songs are coming, right? right. So, I'm, so I'm I'm uh, I'm intentionally trying to bore myself if we're working on it, if that makes sense, right? So uh, being out in nature, right? Uh, definitely, you know, is. Uh, is using my body, but my brain like kind of has some time to think about things, right? And then songs pop in. So I'm the guy that you would see on a full train, right? Uh, in the middle of all people certainly starting to sing into his phone because I don't want to lose that song idea, right? I've tried to remember one from time. It was probably the best song I've ever written, right? Uh, but uh, I've never wrote it down, so I forgot it. It probably was crap, right? It was, probably was crap anyway, but still, um, that's how I think about that, right? So... And it's a little bit like um, I read about, you know, and, you know, Thomas Edison is somebody that you probably know, right? Sure. Um, big, big American inventor. He has this system of, uh, he also realized that he gets his best ideas shortly before he falls asleep. 
So I don't know if it's true. It's just something that you say about him, right? Is that he was sitting down in a very comfortable chair, holding a key in his hand, right? And uh, once he started to nod away, right, his hand would open, the key would fall down, and the noise of the key hitting the floor would wake him up, right? And so and he would immediately write down whatever he was just thinking about, right, to get to his best ideas. So this is kind of what I'm trying to do as well if I'm in a songwriting period, time period, right? So, so all, all the other stuff I'm doing kind of plays in there. So I'm trying to have hobbies that bore me. <laughs> of course, they're not boring me, but they are boring most of my brain. Let's, let's call it that, right? So it can get to songwriting. Uh, yeah, I think that's, that's all I can say about that. I also wanted to ask you, what's the best way to get a physical copy of the album? And oh, to right, get any a, other merchandise from the band? Um, that's a great question. So we have a very good distribution uh, worldwide. So it's probably going to be available, you know, on your uh, favorite shop platform, be it Amazon, Nuclear Blast or whatever, right? However, mm -hmm. uh, if I would say what the best experience is, you know, and where you get all a couple of extra goodies, uh, if you're ordering from it, I would, of course, say it's our official shop at shop.heathenforay.com, right? So we are maintaining the job ourselves. I already said I'm an IT guy. I also made the shop, right? So I, I programmed all of that um, that, you're, that you're seeing there. So, you know, you're in the, the, uh, the uh, I, I was this, you get the full package, right? Not only uh, got, gets your order directly here to me, right? In my email inbox and, and me and Robert. So most of the CDs and T-shirts and all are, are stored at Robert's house, the vocalist, right? And I usually will drive over to him once in the week, once a week, and we will, you know, make packages. And then Robert usually brings them to the post office and then ships them off to you, right? So you got the 100% uh, even for a experience here. And we usually always put some, you know, some extra goodies um, in the package in there, maybe a patch or a sticker from time to time, maybe a couple of plaques, right? Whatever we have lying around um, that, that we want to share. And I, of course, I have to say that it's the best best place to power stuff because obviously we can give it a little bit cheaper right because we don't have the markup here and still you know earn more on the cds if they are sold uh, somewhere else right so and sure. we ship worldwide right doesn't matter where you are we're gonna ship it to you yeah so, and that's the great thing about that is that you know any way that you can cut the middleman out is gonna benefit you and benefit the band more as well yeah definitely also, we ha also have a Bandcamp site. So if you prefer that, if you already have a Bandcamp account, it would be the same thing. So if you order on Bandcamp, it also gets uh, the order also come here into my, my inbox. So the experience is the same for us, right? Uh, but Bandcamp, of course, takes a couple of percent, actually not a couple, quite a lot actually, from then. This is the reason why we started our own shop uh, about a year ago, right? To see if this works. And it seems, you know, a lot of people like to, to order from our shop or, you know, if there are Bandcamp people, they're ordering from Bandcamp. But, you know, at the end, as, as long as you get the album, you listen to it, we usually don't care that much about where you have it from. Um, so uh, just happy that a lot of people, you know, get access to the album and they're able to, to listen to it, which is, of course, one of the great things about music streaming today, right? Right. And lastly, I wanted to ask you, if you could give a message to your fans, what would that message be? What would that message be? 
That's a good question. That's a good question. I'm not sure if anybody has said, you know, people say, told me, you know, uh, what do you want to say to your fans or something? But message is like, you know, it has this, this seriousness about it, right? What would be the message be, right? I would say um, maybe I go, you know, with the message from the album because obviously that's, that's a message that's all uh, important to us, right? Is um, the whole world and everybody who, you know, has more power than you or money than you will try to take stuff away from you, you know, maybe not from one day or another, maybe, you know, they're playing a long game over 10 or 20 years, be it through, you know, uh, inflation hikes or mm. any other things. Um, and as we say in the songs, right, um, they're trying to give you um, the fold on, uh, where the world is heading, you know, climate wise, but it's not, um, you know, of course, it's important for you as an individual, you know, uh, to try to live your life as, uh, as in sync with nature as possible. But still, you know, we know who the major polluters are. It's, you know, big industries, it's sure. shipping, it's, uh, it's military complexes and so on, right? Uh, it's, it's, it's production, right? So it's all... Um, the only way, so the, the message is, you know, look around you, see where the establishment is trying to get you down or take away uh, your freedom or your right to exist anywhere, you know, be it by taking away your house or whatever they are doing, right? There's so many things going on um, right, near, right there. And I think you're never alone is what I want to say in that, right? If you look to your left and to your right, and this is what we say in the last song on the album, right? There are people, you know, that are uh, that are like you, that are are fighting that same fight, or that are want to, you know, make the world a better place. That are striving for a world where, you know, um, for social equality, right in there, right where we don't have any differentiations between, you know, super poor and super rich, right, where sure. all of the middle class is being, uh, you know, killed out there um, in the middle. So I would say, you know find those organize right and, and and stand up it's so easy to just be you know angry about a couple of social media posts but get involved right try to make that better and i think this is this is what heavy metal is heavy metal is not a passive thing i don't know a single heavy metal person that kind of like listens to heavy metal in the background that's all they do right only people i know is people that turn up heavy metal to like 10 or in their cars you can hear them coming from like two miles away right they go to festivals and go go extreme there or make their music and share their things and this is how we should be about our whole life i think about our whole society and it's easy to complain about where the world is heading right but i also if anybody would be you know um fighting for their for, for justice or for for the social equality like they like they listen to heavy metal the world would be an awesome place i think right so Find something. You don't have to be against anything, right? You don't have to be uh, want to improve everything in the world, but there surely is something, right, where you can get involved in and where you can put that heavy metal energy in. I think, and also buy our album and watch us live, right? That would be the next thing I would be saying <laughs> to people. But this is overall, yeah, this is overall the message of the lyrics on that album, right? It's it's easy to to stand around and complain and say, you know, it's it's all over because we don't have control about the thing. Well maybe it's time we fucking take back control, right? Right. And so. I think uh, 
a lot of times in looking back over the COVID period. Yeah. In retrospect, it seemed to me like an exercise to see how much control our government could put upon us. Yeah, exactly. You know, unfortunately, it's a sad thing because uh, I think the the goal of our governments was definitely accomplished. Well, I'm I'm not sure uh, uh, if that is the direction as I meant it, right? So I'm uh, don't want to be sure that I'm not. It was not against any of the regulations in the early period, right? It's obviously, it was a pandemic. You had to protect sure. the children and everything, right? Uh, but yeah, if you if you see it on the on, on the larger stage, right now, all all of that, what's going on and what it's, you know, if, if there was a goal, I'm saying if I, I don't know, of course, right? But but um, definitely, you know, I'm, I'm not definitely saying government, but I would say super rich people like billionaires, you know, they definitely have gotten richer. If that has to do with the government or not, I can't say, right? I'm I'm not that much uh, into that directory uh, that direction. But definitely, you know, there were some opportunities here for, for people to definitely enrich themselves on the misery of others. Again, sure, absolutely. Right? Well, I wanted to thank you, my friend, for taking time to speak with me today. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Well, it has been a pleasure for me as well, Robert. So uh, very cool podcast you're running here, right? So I will definitely continue to listen to the other episodes now. I'm going to be honest, you know, I discovered you because you sent out the request, right? But if you listen, I was, uh, have been listening to a couple of episodes and it's always great fun. So I'm super happy that we are now part of that legacy as well, right? Um, yeah, and I hope, you know, it gets a lot of people to know Heathen Foray, uh, the melodic pagan death metal band from Austria, right? And um, listen to our new album, Oathbreaker. Yes, it's definitely a great one from top to bottom. Awesome, right? Uh, love that you uh, that you see it that way. It also, seems that a lot of you know other reviewers, uh, a lot of press so thought so, right? So we got a lot of great reviews. Uh, let's say you know what. Let's see what this. Um, well, what that changes for us, you know, as a band in the future. It's still a little bit too early to say. You know, the album has been out for two weeks now, so let's see. You know what, what's coming in the future. Absolutely, and I look forward to speaking again. Yes, of course. Anytime. Anytime. All right, you take care, my friend. Have a all great right. rest of your day. Well. All the best into the U.S. And uh, hopefully, you know, the storm is not hitting you too hard that you mentioned earlier. Thank you all very right. much. Take thank care. you very much. Goodbye. Bye. I'd like to thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can sponsor the podcast. Just click that button and you can be a member of the family. And remember, come see me for a fix.